Uh, it's good to be here. Uh, what I'm going to say in the next few minutes has, uh, it's trying to answer one big question. Talked a day and a half now about uh, metrics, largely internally focused, how to run the business, how to know where you're going, where you want to go, what's the right direction. I'm going to talk about does anybody care in the capital markets? Do they care? Should they care? How should they care? How can we make them care in the next decade and beyond? It's a huge challenge because at the moment, the simple answer to my questions are they don't really care very much. So let's see why and how we go from here. Uh, our neighbor, Ben Franklin, who lived just up the street, actually uh, a couple of centuries ago, said that the great part of miseries of mankind are brought upon them by false estimates they have made of the value of things. And in some ways, this is a foundational statement for all of us. He didn't know it, but he was the first uh, sustainability metrics guy on the planet. But many of our conversations here are really, in essence, about what, what do we mean by value and value creation. How do we know it? How do we do it? How can we move it forward? How can we explain it, articulate it, in a world that has all the constraints, the perils, and the promise that have been uh, mentioned here on many occasions? Uh, more contemporary uh, reflection on this was from recently from Peter Baker, or Bakker rather, a Dutch fellow who just took over the leadership of the World Business Council on Sustainable Development, who says, I'm a capitalist. The mistake currently lies in only expecting and managing a return to financial capital. Capitalism requires a new operating system. It needs to be rebooted so that we expect and manage the return on financial, natural, and social capital. Some of in the room would are at intellectual capital and build capital. But the basic concept is, as Peter says, we all need to rethink what kind of capitalists we are. Because if we are solely and myopically focused on financial capital, to the exclusion of all others, uh, we're not going to have societies uh, worthy of uh, human life and human prosperity. And at the end of the day, business, as has been said thousands of times, business cannot prosper in societies that are failing. So if we don't attend to the other capitals, we companies don't attend to the other capitals, we're going to be stuck in the mud and see that uh, all the infrastructure, the social infrastructure, intellectual infrastructure that we makes, our, makes businesses work, make businesses create value, will simply not be there in the future. So spoken like a businessman, a new form of capitalism, new, new capitals, if you will, more capitals than simply financial capitals, though at the end of the day and in the long run, I hold the belief that they all do, in fact, do converge. And it's really many of the debates we have are about time horizon rather than about substance. So 20 years of metrics. My metrics journey began uh, almost literally 20 years ago when I got a phone call from a woman named Joan Bavaria, who may, may know as a pioneer in social investing in the United States. She said, help, we just introduced the uh, Valdez principles after the ExxonMobil accident in Prince Rupert off Alaska. We put out these principles. Now we have to have some accountability mechanism. What should it be? She asked me that question. She asked another guy named Bill, another friend of hers. <clears throat> Bill eventually went on to form, uh, create a Tai Chi company. So he took a different path than I did. <laughs> Although, I, in retrospect, I may better, better have taken Bill's uh, advice. Uh, I went the metrics way and have been at it for about 20 years. So we're not in a new conversation here. These metrics have been in place since really back to the days, you may say, when social investing was invented in the 70s or even conceptualized. But it took, a new, took on a new face and a new generation, new energy in the 90s. So today, we have metrics. <coughs> we have metrics. 
And do we have metrics? We are awash in metrics. And I give you just a couple of data points here. GRI's database, uh, sorry, GISR's, the initiative I'll talk about, I'm talking about, has 1,500 indicators in its database, 500 plus issues, issues like human rights. An indicator is how you measure performance against those human rights. SASB, who's uh, will follow, I believe, today, if she's here, uh, has, <clears throat> on the way to 900 indicators, has just released the first uh, couple of sectors, and but they're on their way, roughly 12 per industry, 80-plus industries. You do the math, you're going to be heading for 900, although some will be duplicative and replicative, like climate change, carbon emissions. So reduce it, maybe you'll come down to 500 unique ones. That's a lot of new indicators. Most of, many of which, not more, many of which are not in play today. They're unknown today. They're just being developed thanks to SASB's good work. GRI, 29 issues, 149 disclosures, and, it, and it's sector research, uh, which it's uh, just working on now, has um, uncovered about 2,800 sector-specific indicators. This was a survey of global stakeholders. This, this document's available. So there's another 2,800. I don't know what GRI will do with them, uh, but there they are as potential. <clears throat> so at the end of the day, you look at the metrics landscape, and you're seeing, indeed, more applications. The SRI world, of course, has been added for decades uh, for self-assessment purposes, which has been the focal point, largely the focus of this meeting. Uh, <clears throat> stock exchanges are getting the bug, thanks to the good work of Ceres and others. Now in debate is whether there should be a stock exchange uh, disclosure standard, global uh, disclosure standard. That is, if you want a list, you have to report certain uh, sustainability material. <coughs> and ratings, which uh, is my focus with this GISR program, ratings both sustainability at the company. The company is the unit of analysis, but also a big and uncharted territory, which I'll refer to, which is credit ratings. Credit ratings, which is a business that has effects on tens of trillions of dollars of capital every year in the form of debt issues. Moody's, Standard & Poor's, these people who, for you in business, uh, rate your debt obligations uh, by, and basically by law. You must be rated. Do they include sustainability content? So are they, is all this good work, is it leading to more materiality, more usability, particularly in financial markets? Is it more impactful? Well, we have stories like this <clears throat> that you've read about. This was from a Deloitte study. You can say that uh, the uh, ESG reputation, which you've talked about here, uh, has a kind of halo effect, a cushion when things go wrong. If you've had sustainability performance in, in your <clears throat> behind you at your back, you're going to have a kind of cushion that will make you a more resilient firm in the face of missteps, accidents, other forms of uh, bad press or mismanagement. Uh, another one, uh, this is about disclosure rather than ratings. Uh, those who the evidence is mounting, it's slowly, but it's all pointing in the right direction, circuitously, directly, indirectly, lower cost of capital. Why? Because people believe, investors believe, and credit rating agencies believe, actually starting to, that good sustainability practices uh, reduce risk, reduce risk, uh, lower cost of capital, Therefore, uh, access in, uh, to, to the resources you need to build factories and ex expand technology in R&D will be uh, achieved uh, or obtained at lesser cost. So these, these are some evidence, and there's much more here. These are just samples. But the evidence is mounting, lots of good academic research 
is pointing in the same direction. <clears throat> so what about this value chain that's emerging? It's complex. We tried to simplify it here. This is a diagram that's gone through five iterations. Probably will go through five more at least the next year. But basically, there's an inner circle where there's sources, assurers, aggregators, raters slash researchers, and users of sustainability information. They're in a loop, and the information, beginning with the companies, flows through eventually the users, and then, of course, investors, indexes, regulators, and then back to the companies, and that it, it will affect all how this loop uh, uh, unfolds, will affect the quality and the inspiration, the attention that it gets in the company itself. Around the outer loop are a set of standards. Each of these standards, one affects IAASB, and there's another one, AA1000 uh, would be placed there as well, affects how assurers do their business, verifiers, auditors. ARISTA, a Belgian-based standard, <coughs> applies to the quality of research providers, research providers. And uh, down here on the left, GISR is a standard that we've been working on recently, I'll explain here in one second, uh, to uh, bring, we hope, bring more uh, credibility, more market, market expansion, more reliability, more attention to sustainability ratings at a time when they're only, it's only in a very incipient stage. And finally, Integrated Reporting Council, GRI, SASB, these are standards applying to disclosure. Not, they have nothing to do with ratings. They're about standards for excellence in disclosure of sustainability information. They have different uh, geographic scopes. They have different sectoral versus core indicator scopes. So there are differences here, but basically they focus on the reporting function, not on the rating function, not on the uh, verification function, and not on the quality of the organization function. This is basically repeats what I just told you. For clarity's sake, identify, inform, evaluate. Uh, <clears throat> GRI, SASB, IIRC, identifiers, informers, the same. And finally, evaluators, uh, we place ourselves in that category, GISR. So we're basically importers of all the good metrics that are coming out of these uh, disclosure-oriented standards. We, the standard setter, we hope uh, as we evolve this program, GISR, we're our importers. We're users of that, shaping it massaging it, formulating it into metrics that are rateable and developing a standard that will uh, d uh, drive, we hope, ratings excellence and market expansion of ratings worldwide. So this, in short, is our, our uh, resume, our CV, if you will. <clears throat> TELUS and, and Ceres, the partners that formed the Global Reporting Initiative some 12, 13 years ago, are the partners behind this initiative. The vision, redefine the definition, measurement, the value, mission, create the standard, strategy, it's a multi-stakeholder process, all the voices at the table, some in this room included. Uh, we launched it about two years ago. And just to repeat, for clarity, this is a standard-setting exercise. GISR will not directly rate companies. We are in the business of elevating, inspiring, bringing the entire ratings a field up to a new level of impact, excellence, and market position. Okay, so here's a few. I'll go through this quickly. Here's some of our partners. You can see three categories. We feel generally too many indicators, issues, surveys, volatility, transparency, and ratings. All the companies here. How many of you are companies? 
how many surveys do you receive each year of one kind or another? Raise your hand if it's 10. Okay, a few. 20? Same number, 30? few? Okay. Well, our friend, one of our committees says he gets 100 each year, so maybe he's an outlier, <laughs> but there's a lot out there. So we feel we can grow the supply and credibility. Here's the basic standard. As it's evolving, it'll be in three parts, principles, principles and issues, principles, issues, and indicators. Each of these will be accredited, accreditable. These are our principles. That's the bottom level of our pyramid. Here's our value proposition, essential for performance improvement. Companies, if they understand the ratings, if they don't understand it, they can't improve their performance. I, raters, sensitive about the IP issues, methodologies and algorithms, investors, and essentially uh, essential uh, a standard is essential for informed choice and application. All right, Bob, Bob Willard, who will follow shortly, will explain more of what this is. This simply says one of our principles, the debates that are going on in our process, which one's the right one? Is it uh, performance against goals, performance against historical markers, performance against peers, or performance in a sustainability context? All these are, are, can be said have value. I'll leave you with this. <clears throat> In the sustainability ratings business, we don't think of credit ratings until we didn't, and most people don't until very recently. In fact, they are in the business, but they're in the business in a very uneven and inconspicuous way. They assess risk. This market, 2.6 million ratings are in play at any one time. That's a huge activity uh, by Moody's and S&P and the rest of them. Okay. Every time there's a rating there is an opportunity to infuse sustainability content. That opportunity is being missed. The, the credit raters are just seeing that, and they're trying to understand it. They're talking to us. They're talking to others. We think this will open up a whole new horizon for bringing all you folks who issue debt obligations. This is a horizon that's waiting to happen. <clears throat>